All right. Well, we were. I was hanging out on Twitter the other day. Obviously, you were, and uh, I noticed that you uh, you tweeted out a, as you called it, a architecture diagram, which one of my most cherished favorite terms. That's a good one. It's it shows a word like architecture. It's uh, it shows multiple layers of of ironicness and sort of like uh, tech cultural deft to just kind of throw <laughs> that about. So that's 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 a delightful one, but. Um, I thought, you know, uh, as 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 you and I were uh, talking, mediated by the computers and various channels that we mess around in, it seemed like it'd be good to have you on to uh, to, to talk about it a little bit. So why don't you introduce yourself first? Uh, thank you, Cote. Uh, I should say, long time listener, first time caller. Thrilled <laughs> to be here. Uh, this is this is definitely a treat. Uh, so my name is Scott Truitt. I've been at Pivotal since uh, I guess I joined the week we became Pivotal, which is still mm. surreal to think about. Uh, and I've played a number of roles in uh, the Cloud Foundry team. Um, most uh, most of them have been product related, and that really is my background. I've always done product. I've always worked in software startups. I've made hundreds of these architecture diagrams. And I agree. I think it's one of the best words we have to describe what we do. It's at once dismissive and celebratory. Exactly. And uh, I think that's that's kind of an awesome thing for us. It's it's kind of so. like this is going to be one of my patented terrible analogies. But if we <laughs> if we imagine that blowing coal smoke into the air wasn't actually bad, and it was okay, it's the equivalent of like those people who are those diesel people who fit a big pipe on their uh, yes. on their truck, and they're yes. like celebrating. Yes. Burning diesel fuel, and I think I think, uh, and it also powers their gigantic, absurd truck. Uh, but I think that's kind of what a architecture <laughs> diagram. It's like, uh, I mean, you know, yeah, you're at once broadcasting that you're not technical, but uh-huh. you're doing something that's deeply like in the weeds on what the product right. really is you're building. That's right. So. It's a regular. I see what you did there. Situation exactly. So, so this diagram is not. Uh, I'm looking at it again. I don't think it's labeling what the application actually is, but. And I'll put a link to this in the show notes just so people okay, can see cool. it. But, Good. you know, what's what's interesting about it? So uh, let me give a bunch of context. I mean, if you're a longtime listener, you realize that I spend about 80% of the time talking. Yeah, that's the best part. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, uh, I just did that with, uh, with uh, let's see, probably the order I published this in, in with someone I hadn't met before, one of our colleagues uh, in the previous episode. And I was thinking, like, man, I, I hope she doesn't think I'm a jerk. But anyways, uh <laughs> So you've got you've got what's good about this is so I've been over rotating on figuring out what enterprise architects do um, in a mm-hmm. cloud native world, what what they should be doing to help out and what what their the, a positive good role for them is, how they can be. I'm going to stop using this after this, how they can be the big old pipe on the diesel truck, as it were. But um, <laughs> man, I saw one of those the other day and I was like, what are you thinking? To be fair, you live in Texas. I know, I know. Yeah, I know. I know. So I mean, it's odd that it's only random. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't show up in Austin very much. But Austin, we, we went fair. camping like out okay. in the country, and so you know, there you go. You go back to the, uh, I don't know. I hesitate to call it real Texas, but the 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 Texas most people think of. Yeah, let me put it yes. that way. Uh, so, anyways. I've been trying to figure it out, and I think you know one of the key um, things that enterprise architects one of the outputs they have, so to speak, is an enterprise architecture um, mm-hmm. and dropping my silly analogies, which actually, if done even averagely well, is actually incredibly helpful, right? Because it Agreed. communicates how everything fits together and explains the different components. I mean, it's 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 a map, not to be all wardly. I don't mm-hmm. I haven't read his stuff enough, but it's a good map of what's going on. Um, and so you right. tweeted this one that has a good swim lane that talks about how data is moving through how various um, 
data processing things are used and platform and also how like TensorFlow is used and all that kind of stuff. And so I thought it'd be good to just have you come on and, and talk about that. And also it's a good way to highlight um, the actual, how actual technologies that we go on and on about at Pivotal kind of fit into uh, scenarios like this and integrate together. So with that long introduction, why don't you tell us like what this is a diagram of and kind of what it's explaining and just kind of we'll start going through it. Sure. Uh, maybe maybe I'll take a step back and talk about the genesis of this project. And that was really a desire to go talk to retailers. And, uh, you know, we, we thought that was an interesting vertical. Certainly there are competitive pressures from a certain company in Seattle uh, that make retail ripe for disruption. Uh, and when we started it at the end of last year, no one had any inkling that uh, Amazon would come in and swoop up Whole Foods. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it was it was somewhat prescient. But uh, either way, we got into this. And we realized that uh, maybe the most interesting thing we could do would be to act like a retailer and to be forced to make decisions around, well, what can we do? Where do we focus? How do we get closer to our customers? It was about this time that I saw a great quote from Jeff Bezos that said uh, something like, customer service is our core competitive advantage. And we think we can win that battle each and every time. Poor paraphrase, but I don't have it in front of me. And to me, that isn't uh, yeah. something to run from. That's basically, that's a call to arms. Let's go. Let's do this, right? Um, and so we we kind of scraped together this notion of, okay, if, if we're going to say, uh, customer service or customer experience is a competitive advantage, what would we do, right? And we thought about, you know, our kind of history at Pivotal, the companies we've worked with. We, you know, I'm familiar with Gap living in San Francisco and, and understand their kind of, you know, their situation, for lack of a better word. And we imagined what it would be like to be a clothing retailer in this space. Of course, we don't have access to all their info. We certainly don't have their data. So we went out and made one up. Um, you know, it's loosely based on them, but it's, it's pretty generic. Uh, we scraped a, another retail site out of the UK to get an inventory. And then we created, you know, a Twitter account. We also created a user named Maya uh, who, who had a pre-existing relationship with this retailer and was just benignly tweeting about a party she was going to this weekend with her best friend and tweeted this picture of a dress and said, I wish I had time to go buy this, right? So the machine we built behind the scenes pulled that tweet in, uh, looked at the content of the words, put it through this natural language processing API uh, service that comes from Google Cloud Platform. So we understand the sentiment. We understand the words in, in her tweet. We also use the Google Cloud uh, Vision API. And so there, now we understand the image. And at this point, we have a really interesting uh, piece of the puzzle. So we can then take that, compare that against our inventory. We can run a machine learning algorithm against it built on TensorFlow. And we can determine if we have an item in our catalog that matches her needs. Even better, we could match that up with a store that's close to her and send her a code to save 30% off. And we can do that all in about 10 seconds, which is really quite amazing, I think. So that was the, the gist of it, right? Um, we touched a bunch of different things along the way. But the fact that we were able to make this magical thing happen, completely benign tweet turns into an offer that's personalized specifically for her with a time, date, and location. That's pretty compelling stuff. Yeah, no, that's that's a really, I mean, there's all sorts of things for uh, to, to sort of 
bite mm-hmm. into there. Not to mention the thing itself. <laughs> um, right. right. But um, yeah. So first of all, it's it's interesting. Um, I, I think I think the phrase when you were first saying it, I was a little confused. But the phrase customer service. I guess I guess not yeah. to be too insidery, but it's one of these terms like CRM, customer relationship management, which yes. it sounds or well, I won't use that third one. It sounds awesome. <laughs> and then you see what it actually is and you're like, oh, it's more or less the opposite of what it's supposed to be, <laughs> like right. like in practice. Right. And so, you know, when I think of customer service, I think of basically, I mean, I first think of, you know, being nice to the customer, right? But then I right. kind of move on to, yeah, sure. yeah. But then I, I, I pretty much, I mean, there's other stuff, but more or less I move on to like, where did I put that receipt for this thing I need to return? <laughs> right like or you know like because that's i feel like the core i mean it, that's literally usually called the customer service yeah. desk um yep. and so i was um and that's why i was a little confused as i was thinking like i was just telling my wife the other day that the the one thing um that amazon is annoying about is returning stuff and yes and so like so thus my head was clunking a little bit but then as you talked about it it's it's sort of returning to a more genuine, literal idea that is, um, it's more like being Jeeves in Wooster and Jeeves. It's anticipating what the customer wants before they yeah. want it. And more importantly, trying to be helpful. And of course, the reward, just like I'm sure Jeeves was compensated well, the reward <laughs> is that you get paid, right? right. Um, and yeah, that, I think that that notion is good because, um, you know, I I won't lie. There's often times where about, 40 to 80% when I complain about some brand on Twitter is I'm secretly hoping they'll give me something. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it is. So, so then the other thing before we get to the actual thing is I think, um, I don't know, tell me if I'm over, overthinking it, but I think this is potentially a good practical pragmatic example of, I don't, I need, I think we need to have a new phrase for this, but whatever people actually mean when they talk about AI and machine learning nowadays, mm, right? Like right. it's not going to like drive a car for me or have a conversation about the true meaning of Nietzsche with me or anything like, like a science fiction <laughs> AI. Yeah, sure. yet, exactly. But, but it is kind of like, and this is like, I don't know what to call this, but what you're describing is sort of like, what are what are advances in computation, right? Computers are faster and cheaper is one thing. And then mm-hmm. I assume we also have some new ways of telling computers to find patterns and doing things automatically, kind of like machine learning. I'm grossly simplifying, but like, but I think you're right. What on. are some things I mean, we could do just to like do new types of business, right? Yeah. And so it seems yeah. like a good example of that. You know, I even think back to the to the first stories I heard Paul talk about in the early days of Pivotal, and they were really truly data-driven personalization. It was understanding the context at that moment and making the best possible decision for both parties, for us as a company, mm. for the customer as a, our constituent. And I think that's a really interesting uh, territory to mine. I just think there's so many things you could do. And of course, we barely scratched the surface, right? We made up this woman. We made up this retailer. We didn't have access to a click stream. Uh, we didn't have access to past purchases. We didn't know if she likes stripes or solids or patterns or prints or whatever, right? Um, we were basically going off 140 characters and an image and doing something magical with it. And I think that is, is really what I realized the most compelling thing. We ran an experiment. We saw interesting results almost immediately. I mean, this whole thing took on the order of six weeks for a handful of people mm. to do. 
That's not long uh, at all. No, and when you think about, we didn't have to deploy infrastructure, right? We didn't have to go create a, a you know, a, a visual image processing service that we could use. We simply did a CF create service and a CF bind service, and we used it, right? It's all in the Google Cloud Platform Service Broker that works on PCF. Um, it's same with the natural language processing API. The TensorFlow stuff, we we had some data scientists, data scientists help us. Uh, within Pivotal, but uh, you know this was in their wheelhouse as well. Um, and then at that point, the real the real shining uh, uh, piece for Pivotal was Spring Cloud Dataflow. That we had this ready-made platform, or I should say, pipeline to bring raw data in and help transform that into insight and action. There was very little. It's not fair to say custom development because certainly the whole thing was custom, but we weren't building at an infrastructure layer. Right. We were building interesting things on top of what was already there. Yeah, and so that's cool. So, so let, let, let's let's start with that 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 pipe. I mean, I feel like I feel like somewhere in this podcast we've talked about Spring Cloud Dataflow, but like how? So, what is that? How would you describe uh, what it is? Well, see here again, I'm product. So, <laughs> how <laughs> how it works. I just know it, what it can do. That, that's fine. <laughs> we we can be all like like benefits and outcomes, and uh, and, and just just kind of give just kind of give a little rub on the, uh, the 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 fat belly of the value prop, and uh, and we'll sure, be fine. But, sure, sure. So like, what do you at, do with it? When you look at that architecture diagram, there's really four main pieces to it. There's the initial uh, sync where we bring the data in. And then as we push it down the line, we do some processing. In the second column, that's where we do the interrogation around the language and the image. Um, when we get to the fourth column, that's where we're doing the just cold hard data science. Uh, do we have a match? What's the best match? What are the four best matches in our inventory? Um, and then in the fifth column, we're really taking and batching that output and sending it off for action. So it's this notion of, you know, in my mind, it's glue code. It's incredibly element, uh, elegant and very simple to use. And the fact that we could do this transformation, but that is our backbone, proved to be really powerful stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it seems to me each time, one day I need to actually sit down for like maybe three hours or, or longer and like just kind of right. delve into, into spring, spring Cloud data flow more. But it seems like, I don't know, one of my favorite boring types of, enterprise applications is like the uh the uh the sort of workflow with data transformation stuff mm -hmm. your classic <laughs> etl yeah, right? yeah 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 and 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 to your point right like um the goal of a lot of these things is we want to we have a decision process that has mm -hmm. some input to it and we want to do something more than glue code right like we want a formalized right. way of doing it and then of course, like in, in Pivotal Think Land, once you formalize and standardize it, it means you can manage it extremely well and automate it. Right. And then to your point, you can do it very quickly and reliably, right? Um, yes. So, so that's always nice. Um, but it's essentially a workflow. And then I think I think the, I don't know, maybe the thing that I don't know if it makes it boring for people who care more about, you know, hot dogs and stuff is like the end goal is someone is sitting there and makes a decision. Right. Like right. it's all right. just sort of augmenting a person's decision making capability at some point. Yeah, in this case we, we coded that decision into it, but certainly you could go down that path as well. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it, that is it's also kind of a hopeful thing for like the robots are gonna steal our jobs is like uh you know, maybe maybe for all the people who are saying that that they want like a nice pair of shorts, you have uh roomfuls of people at home who are just like 
deciding like, well, we should give them some shorts. Right. <laughs> We're fitting into that train. Awesome. Um, so, so, um, so like how many people did you have working on this, this thing? You you know, kinda... there, were, there were two of us at the core. Um, as I mentioned earlier, Mike Goddard was, was the main developer, uh, a good friend of mine and just amazing ability to pull all this stuff together and make sense of it and, and build it. And then we had some people float in and out on the data science side. We had some designers early on kind of help us out. But, you know, at the core, it was a handful of people. And, uh, you know, I think that's that's even more interesting. We can also talk about the fact that we have a mix of Python apps and Spring Boot apps. Mm. Uh, we've got this, you know, Polygot platform where we could bring other people in to help us with very specific things. We had someone do an Angular front end so that we could demo kind of the, the data transformation process as well. All this stuff was easy. We didn't have to worry about it because that's PCF. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think maybe the most interesting piece is that this thing took six weeks. How much time do you think our next effort's going to take? It's right, probably right. going to be three weeks or two weeks, right? The number of experiments we can run with this technology is going to increase as our familiarity and comfort with it increases. And I think that's really the story that, that resonates when I tell people. It's like, hey, go learn this stuff, but now go use it, right? Go free up your smartest people and tell them to go make mistakes, go, go fail, go do things that don't work. Cause you're yeah. going to learn so much. Yeah. Next, next y- y'all should do a, a rev where you, uh, you scan all the it people and you say like, you might be, <laughs> you might be interested in this white paper. <laughs> that, that would be great. You could be your, I can't uh, help you with that one. Kote. You'd be your inside sales augmentation. Uh, sure. Engine. Sure. But yeah. Uh, so, so, um, you know, it, it it also strikes me that like um, you could use this as a good illustration of like how you would break microservices up, right? Whether you want to think of them components or services. Oh, but, sure. But to your point, like, I mean, I don't know, the various steps and components could be driven by different services and even teams that you might have. Um, right. Which which is uh, it's always hard to find intelligible examples of microservices. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so. we, we did break everything up into microservices. Each one of those buckets is an app or a service. So um, that part is definitely interesting as well. There's maybe one other anecdote that, that I love to tell here, and that is uh, the first time I, I showed it to a friend of mine at Google, and uh, he said, okay, great, great. How are we going to scale this thing to a million users? I was right. like, we don't even have a user, and we really didn't build it for that purpose. But here again, as I thought about that, I realized, well, wait, it's the same infrastructure, right? I'm just scaling my apps, and I'm scaling my, you know, my knowledge of the system as it grows, but I'm not switching this thing out. I don't need to all of a sudden go to production-grade infrastructure. We built this on GCP, right? right? Uh, and PCF is production-grade. We know all this stuff can withstand that, so... What's a million users? It's, yeah. it's probably trivial. Yeah, no, it's 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 trivial, uh, you, you don't have to worry you don't have to worry about scaling the infrastructure. Just making sure your own code is uh, right. Is, is yeah, scalable, maybe which, our code changes. Maybe yeah. components get switched out. But those are those are solvable problems. Yeah, those those are a lot easier. So so then, as you mentioned, like um, uh, used a lot of Google services in there. Um, and mm-hmm. and you know, f- for for those who don't know, in the retail space. 
it's it's considered polite to use Google instead of Amazon. People are not so into using AWS. Um, which... Actually, Walmart has opinions. Yes, yes, indeed. Uh, so you know, our friends in in Redmond have compelling offerings here as well. It just so happened exactly. that we did this project with Google. That's so. right. And so and so, like in like, what components did did you use from them, and what what made you choose them? Other than the corny reason I was just joking about. No, I, I think it's a good question. As we looked at it initially, you know, about the the time that we conceived of this project, the spanner was announced. And we we're like, oh, let's use that, right? We went from thinking, let's just show the art of the possible to, no, let's do state of the art, right? And we realized that spanner was overkill for, for our simple use case here. Uh, this is not designed as a product. This isn't something that we say, oh, here, just go run it. Right, it's an illustration of what's possible. Um, so we took some, you know, we we didn't take the biggest leap that we could. We we made some reasonable assumptions and we got in the game. So we used Google Cloud Storage instead of Spanner, um, but we still use TensorFlow. We still use the NLP API and the Vision API. Um, we used RabbitMQ. Uh, we could have used Google PubSub. Right. Some of these decisions we made were comfort and familiarity for us. Um, but again, as we mentioned, those are services that you could swap out if or when uh, that, that becomes a need. Sorry, I was trying to find the mute button. Now I'll have to, now I have to go get... edit something. Let me see where I was. 21 minutes. That's terrible. But it gives me, uh, you know, makes me feel like I'm actually earning my job. Pause <laughs> around uh, 21, 15. So, uh, you know. We're both we're both product people, but I'm asking the question, so we'll see if 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 you can come up with with the answer. But so what what does TensorFlow do? I had a chance to ask you know our buddy Schaefer about that the other day, but I skipped on it. But like, ah. how does that fit into the overall flow of things? So end? I'd love to hear him describe it. I've heard uh, <laughs> I've heard my friend Jay Marshall give a high level overview. I think where TensorFlow is today uh, is is very early stages. Um, but it has some pre-trained models. Uh, in theory, you could plug in and use one of those out of the box and get some reasonable output from it. I think what's interesting is when you can train up your own model, maybe building off one of those initial ones or coding one up uh, by yourself. Um, what it can do is probably way more than I can understand. But the way that we used it was simply, given these inputs, what are the matching outputs, right? So we took our 4,000 items of uh, women's clothing and we ran it through the Vision API so that we had all the keywords on those things, right? We understood it. We could do a simple comparison to say, here's our batch of keywords, um, which items are closest match? Mm. So in this case, it was a real-time kind of, uh, you know, data science problem-solving machine for us. Um, and it just so happened that we were able to bind to it as a service and use it uh, in the context of this thing. We didn't have to manage our own TensorFlow. We didn't have to go and deploy it and configure it and all that stuff. It was simple, you know, again, create service, bind service, and then use it. And, and so, so essentially, that's, that's so, so the overall use case, just to reiterate it for this, was uh, someone writes a tweet that, like, I'd like to buy this, I don't know, tartan-colored skirt. Or something. Sure. I, guess, I guess tartan's a pattern, not a color, but never mind. Um, <laughs> uh, and and the idea is you're going to proactively be looking for this, and you would suggest like, oh, here's something in the inventory, and you know, also if you go down the street, you can get it for whatever deals. Right. 
And right. and so to running that through, you know, no pun intended, the TensorFlow thing, it's sort of like you would take the inventory that you had mm-hmm. and uh, let's see if I can not embarrass myself. You sort of <laughs> you sort of use the magic of TensorFlow and whatever that is uh, to kind of discover the nature of all the stuff that you have, whether it's through image recognition or looking over the metadata and you're like, here is what we have, right? And the mm-hmm. keywords. And so this gives us sort of like a model that you can stick things in and get an answer yes. <laughs> out the other yeah. end. And so if the thing we're sticking into this model is I would like a, a tartan skirt, it can figure out if we have something to recommend there, right? If there's something similar yes. to that or something that yes. is clustered around it or whatever. Exactly. Um, and, and you know, and, that example, I'm sure on purpose is relatively simple, but it could also be something like, you know, uh, I I flew to San Francisco and once again, I forgot that it's cold here and now I'm chilly. And, right. And, and, you know, with this is be a much more advanced thing, but it could be like, hey, dummy, you should go down the street <laughs> and buy a jacket. Here's a link. Right. Right. <laughs> But, yeah, I think if your description doesn't show up on Google's marketing site by early next week, I'll be shocked because I think you <laughs> nailed it. Right, uh, right. But I think it is maybe this this kind of all-purpose engine for comparing large amounts of data and deriving the best possible answer. At least that's how we used it. I'm yeah. sure there's a multitude of uses that, that I haven't imagined or can't even imagine. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah. I think that's, you know, one of the things that comes out of that is, well, let's go try something else, right? We understand how TensorFlow works. Let's let's try a different model or let's throw more variables into the into the mix or who knows what. Yeah, you know, I, I probably will never understand all the like math behind it, but I mean there's two things. One, like I I think maybe last year I spent a long time I don't know if you've ever read the DevOps report. Or reports. No. But I spent a long time trying to understand, like, the methodology they have. I mean, it's some sort of, I wish I remembered all the uh, stat nerd terms, but, you know, there's, like, some sort of three Eastern European na- hyphenated name model for, like, cluster analysis. Right. right, and, right. And, and doing this thing, and then a bunch of, like, exponents. And, and, and you know, uh, Nicole, who's one of the main, or I guess the main academic person behind it um she very kindly has offered to explain it to me many times but i've never followed up on it but all i could figure out is that basically whatever all this funny magic is is that it the way i kind of filed it away in my head so i was comfortable with it is it it discovers like patterns in some data set that Mm -hmm. like didn't weren't there or i mean they were there but like you you weren't explicitly looking for them, right? Like it says, right. like these things are all similar, and part of what I figured out are the attributes to figure out how to figure out if they're similar, <laughs> and then right. and then right. ongoing that kind of snowballs, and I get better and better about it. And then the second thing, and I maybe they use this, but you know, I, I switched over to using Google Photos, and it's kind of like with the shallow knowledge I have of computer stuff, it's fascinating to look at like the clustering that it does of photos, right? Like, Oh yeah. And it's very, and I guess app photo moments does this too, but it'll be like, here is three hours from two weeks ago that you spent in this part of town. Right. (laughs) Right. And, (laughs) and like, you know, sometimes like the best ones will be like days where I have, um, I've left on a trip. And so it'll say like, your day in Kansas City, and then it'll start off where I'm spending time with my kids for lunch, and then all of a sudden I'm in Kansas City, and like <laughs> obviously that's a little screwy, but it's pretty good at like figuring out 
what are photo albums that we could put together for you that like no one would really think of doing? And, right. and, and that's, that's what seems exciting about that. And to me, what makes like this kind of stuff more practical is like, and again, you get it in front of a human. All we're trying to do is like suggest new stuff for you to do. <laughs> right. right. Like, like you should tell right. this person to buy this skirt, which I think is uh, interesting. And I, I got to assume that Google is training that model. Um, right. With everything that you do with it or that it does for you. And I think that's the interesting piece as well. This thing gets better with more data, with more time. Um, you know, today we may be able to make, you know, a broad match. Um, but you can imagine if we knew the history, your size preferences, how often you shop, do you buy on sale or full price, et cetera, et cetera, and really start to craft a very personalized offer for you. I had the silly statement early on where I said, look, I hate ads, but I love deals. And as soon as it feels like like a deal for me, yeah. that's compelling. If it's an email blast about something that I don't care about, I'm less likely to move on that. You think about how much money is spent with just broadcast advertising versus what's possible with very pinpointed, data-driven, personalized uh, deals. I think it's a huge opportunity for retailers to figure out where this thing goes. Yeah, right? no, I, I think that's precisely it with ads, right? Like it's um it's kinda like my 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 quiff about legacy software, right? Like you only call something legacy if you don't like it. <laughs> Other otherwise right. it's just your software. And you know, it's almost like you almost call something an ad if you don't like it. Otherwise it's a good deal, right? Like it's it's uh it's something that you enjoy. But no, that's that's an excellent way of thinking about it. And I think it's I mean it, it does it does it does show you like again, the practical benefit you can get from doing these things. I mean, there's mm -hmm. always the, um, the, uh, now the now infamous folklore of like, you know, telling, telling some dad that his teenager is pregnant. So you got to avoid right. stuff, but <laughs> right. I mean, you know, there's that kind of stuff. Uh, but it is, it, it, it is nice to, to craft those things together more. So other than, than me sort of like, you know, meandering through this this kind of stuff like what what's the actual real experience of like working with a data scientist like how does that um how does that fit into like the balanced team product team sort of mm -hmm. thing how do, how do mm -hmm. they kind of do they just like write down some greek figures on a post-it note and put it up on the board <laughs> right. or like how do what's that interaction like i, I mean i've worked with developers for 20 years now. I hate to date myself, but that's probably true. And I still believe what they do is indistinguishable from magic. <laughs> right. I, I understand what I want done. Uh, and, and one of the wonderful things about Pivotal is that I don't necessarily have to care how it's done unless how is going to impact my when or my why. Um, but uh, the fact that we could you know, almost monosyllabic grunt out some instructions to data scientists and then come back with this amazing model that, that returns the results we're looking for it is pretty magical in my book. Yeah. So I'm, I'm assured that it's actual math and that uh, there's no hocus pocus <laughs> behind the scenes, but it does seem uh, pretty darn magical to me. So, so the interaction would just kind of be like, as you're saying, tell them like, we would like to do this. See yeah, you later. And, and they immediately <laughs> said, oh, yeah, well, that's this problem. That's well-known yeah. in data science. Here's how you do it, right? Yeah, and yeah. No, my, my result was two thumbs up. I'll stand over here yeah. and let you do that. Right? Yeah, that's interesting because it's, I mean, obviously you would expect this from being like a pivotal thing, but it's a similar sort of um, 
part of the job of a of a let's call it pivotal way engineer technical person is to not only know how to solve the problem but know how to talk with someone like yourself or worse myself and be like i think this is what you're asking right like or you know like i understand what you're saying and and i can translate that into my wizardry right whereas i think you know the stereotypical like you know beardy weirdo and sandals will be like you know uh they'll be like a command prompt they'll be like i don't understand what you've just asked me to do uh-huh. try, try type harder it, type it in here <laughs> right like go read a man page and and i think i think you know i, I you know even the data the word data science is is cool but it is a bit intimidating right because it's uh-huh. sort of like what i don't can i talk to these people yeah but um yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, and, and that does, this kind of thing does highlight. So how, how involved were they in that six weeks? Like, did you like, were they working with you constantly or did you just work with them a little bit? Cause it also strikes me that something like a data science role is one of these, um, not fully dedicated to the team things, unless, you know, you're in petroleum engineering or something, but you might just use them on a consultative basis on the team or, or I don't know, or not. Yes. That I think that's how it worked out. I mean, I'd have to go back and, and bug Mike on his experience. It, it's probably vastly different from mine because I knew he had a lot of back and forth with them. But um, we were opportunistically borrowing time uh, from people. We got them excited about the project. They wanted to help. Um, you know, I, I couldn't put a number on it, but my sense is that it was kind of ad hoc on the fly. Oh, well, here, look at this thing. Or let me let me give you this piece of code that you can run. Um and then I think it kind of came out in the iteration that Mike did with them over time. Mm. Yeah, that makes but sense. But my interactions with them were always, uh, oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, that's easy. I know how to do that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it may have been easy for them. Um, and it may, in fact, be e- easy. But I think these patterns still are new. And certainly putting them together end to end like this is, is maybe, you know, what's, what's most novel about the project. Yeah. And and so you're saying that the the result you got to was it would take basically like 10 seconds to go through this cycle, right? To find yeah, it. and to tweet back out. So yeah. if I tweet today as Maya, and I always do it on Maya's account, I don't want my mom asking why I'm looking at dresses. Um, not that she would mind. Right, right. You would just say like, oh, don't ruin your Mother's Day surprise. Right, <laughs> right, sure. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, the, the re- results return in, you know, roughly 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much of that is Twitter lag. I don't know. I've never actually tailed all the logs. I know Mike did that at one point in time. Um, I think, again, what's interesting is that Maya didn't, didn't at mention the retailer, right? She didn't say, hey, right. I'm looking for this. She simply stated, you know, a love for an item and an intent to own it. And we, we took that positive sentiment and the fact that the item matched something in our inventory and replied to her. Yeah. So we did an experiment where we, we tweeted a picture of uh, stereo speakers and sure enough, we got through and it was like, okay, this positive sentiment, we should make an offer. Let's go look for an item that matches. Oh, we don't have any matches. We don't sell speakers. We can't do that. So, you know, there are varying ways to come through the decision tree and still not end up with an offer. It wasn't like every single thing went out. But every now and then I'll tweet a picture and, and I'll get an offer back from our retailer, Boho Chic, that's just random and bizarre. So, um, <laughs> you know, it, it is not a perfect system, um, but it's something that we, I think, could perfect over time. Yeah, yeah. And no, so and on that note, like, what are, what are some things that, like, just didn't work out? That you're like, well, too bad oh, sure. that, that, uh, that was a failure. Sure. <laughs> 
we had grandiose plans in the beginning, right? We wanted to pull in Facebook data. We wanted to have an event on Facebook and a community of people, you know, that interacted with her around that. Uh, we thought about doing Pinterest to get a notion of her color palettes or her, you know, b- deeper insight into her preferences. We thought about, you know, do we build a mobile app? Do we have, you know, all these other ways of engaging her or enriching that data set? And we came back to, no, let's just build an MVP. Let's build the simplest thing that will work, that will prove that we can do something valuable. And that was kind of a, a dumb stroke of genius in some weird way that, um, we faked a lot of stuff, right? We don't actually have multiple locations to a retailer. We have one, right? We don't have you know, this, this rich set of data. We simply have what's in the tweet and in the image. But the fact that we were still able to derive such interesting things out of such a small set, I think makes it even more valuable. Yeah. So you know, I'd love to run an experiment with an actual retailer and actual customers and see what this thing looks like at scale. We've had some conversations with... Um, with uh, grocers, right? And we thought, okay, that's well, exactly what I was going to suggest, right? Because right. that's a pretty right. like rich palette of stuff, and and I mean, and and then also, I mean, further interrupting you from a from a right. business perspective, my understanding is that the grocery business is all about top line revenue, right? Because you have yeah. razor thin margins, so yes. the more the more top line revenue you have, the more profit you're going to get. So you want to grow volume as much as possible because. You know, it's, you're not going to sell an avocado for twenty dollars, right? So you got to you got to just right. sell a lot of like fifty cent and dollar avocados uh, to to make make. Yeah, money you them. you may have issues around spoilage. You may have issues or or things you want to highlight around prepared foods. I mean, we we thought of a couple different scenarios like soccer mom leaving a day long tournament. Kids are hungry. I'm tired. Mm-hmm. Boom, sweet. <laughs> Come by, pick up burgers and buns. We got it. We got it covered for you tonight. Yeah. Right, we'll have it waiting for you at the door. Yeah. Right? Um, or, you know, a guy and his buddies are playing softball. Uh, I grew up in Ohio, so this stuff happens, right? Um, and, you know, they just finished the game. They won. They're celebrating, you know, 12 pack on us or whatever, right? Like something that says, Come in, grab some stuff. We'll throw something on top just for you. Yeah. Right? It comes from knowing your customer and knowing what they like and meeting them in their moment of need with a compelling offer that makes sense, right? Um, that's tough to do. You're never going to email me something that I'm going to see in time to, to make that decision. But if you can respond when I'm in that moment, then I think you have a chance of, of making a more compelling sale. Yeah, yeah. That, that... I say I don't know what it would be like to get bombarded with offers like that. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, that would be terrible. that would be part of what you would have to uh, machine learn it to do, right? Is to not be annoying. You need a whole. Right. There probably are like whole data scientists, and their job is to make sure is to uh, decrease annoyance. <laughs> <laughs> there might I, maybe there's even some fancy scientific name for that of like how do you how do you t- dial that down so it's yeah, not too smooth frequent. that curve out so yeah. that it feels authentic and and human without just up oh, offer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I mean, yeah. Anyways, not not to get into the theoretic weeds. So th- this is kind of like 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 a jump, but but um, kind of laterally related. So especially with the grocery thing, you're reminding me of of what was a, a pretty what I think was a pretty smart um, line of thought from the the CEO of Jack in the Box of all places. I mean, not not because they shouldn't be smart, but I just haven't thought of Jack in the Box in a while. Um, and he was saying that, like, I don't know if this is from his quarterly call or whatever, but it was quoted in some article, and he was saying, like, well, the thing with digital is that uh, once we all get digital, it's not going to be a big deal, and then it's going to go back to, like, 
is the product good? Right. And are you open late? Like the fundamentals right. of, of the right. business. And he's like, you know, and, and we're jack in the box. So sure, we're going to do di- I'm I'm adding my own words here, but sure, we're going to do digital. But like we also are jack in the box that have this other stuff sorted out. So yeah, you should believe in the long term viability of the company. I'm assuming he was getting to. So that's um, an interesting point, right? Yeah, and yeah. So, and, at the it, end of the day, it's only so sexy. Yeah. And, right? and, and then so I wonder just to like, you know to get you to, you know, blue sky solution or think out loud on it. Like what, like given that you, y'all could do this in six weeks, right? And obviously like, let's, you know, we are the uh, increase your, your cycle time people, but like, obviously it would mm-hmm. probably take you at least a year before, like it was a thing that was like a major part of the business that you had it at enough volume and you exposed it and you did the annoyance style. Yeah. I you think know. that's fair. Yeah, yeah. 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 And so like, but you can imagine over a five-year term that, like, every company could be doing something like this, right? Which, again, to the jack-in-the-box thing doesn't belittle it at all. But I wonder, like, how – I don't know. What do, you, what do you do with that, right? Like, Where does it end up? Yeah, yeah. Or, or, or no, no, even, even on a, a different plane of, like, how do, you, how do you plan out for the fast commoditization of something that was incredibly unique at some point, <laughs> right? Oh, wow. Like, I mean... le- like with the grocery store example – uh, like, let's just assume that everyone's going to have this in five years. Sure. So, so sure. What, or do, less. what do we do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have no idea. I hadn't ever taken it that far in my head. Uh, you start off with something that's uniquely differentiated and very quickly just gets commoditized. That kind exactly. Of yeah. Yeah. Um, and maybe that is the world we live in where those things, uh, uh, do in fact happen i guess you know is is cloud commoditized it's probably not that far away yeah um yeah well well, i I mean to to add a footnote to that i mean to your point the things that are there's a there's a few regular infrastructure things but the things that as we've been doing here that become exciting and differentiating about various public clouds are the actual services they provide right like tensorflow and and is it marcia or marcia that Amazon just announced like those things are interesting because they're novel new services like the idea that you know I could start a bunch of VMs is to some extent thrilling <laughs> but but not that, not that big of a deal anymore right I mean it, it's interesting you brought up that jack-in-the-box uh, uh, comment because you do come back to what is core to our business what are the things that matter most to us right and I would argue or assume rather that for jack in the box it is you know the consistent quality experience that you can only get a jack-in-the-box and the predictable time etc cetera, etc cetera, right like some very core things and they could certainly maybe you know goose the margins on some things or, or move the numbers in another direction based on a promotion or whatnot but at the end of the day their business is providing food at predictable uh, consumable prices right yeah, yeah. Um, and you know maybe that's true of of retailers and other businesses as well that you know, all these things are on the margins. I don't know. We've also seen some pure digital plays. I think of Stitch Fix, right, as as really a, a huge disruptive force in retail. They own no stores. They simply have, you know, uh, warehouses, and they have an army of people that help style their customers. Mm. And they get that real-time feedback and driven into their automation. So, um you know, who knows where this goes? Do we see the end of retail? Do we see the end of uh, dining out? Probably not. Um, 
I don't know. I'm just babbling now. No, no, that's, that's, that's what I asked for. (laughs) But I think, I think, you know, to equally babble on my own, right. I think, um, I don't know. I mean, one of my personal charters is to be the apologist for boring stuff that makes lots of money (laughs) in, in, in what I do. Right. Uh, because I don't, I don't really know why it's because there's plenty of people who talk about like all the hot, cool stuff. Right. And yeah, I, I think it is hot and cool, right? Like it is it is the idea of to stick to retail and groceries, the idea of omni channel selling, right? Which mm-hmm. means there are instead of just going to the store and buying a product or going to a website and having one mailed to you, there's like five or seven seven different ways that you can mix and match to browse products, find them, pay for them, and then get them and then return right. them, right? You can do all right. sorts of stuff. I once I forget if it was Gartner, but I remember reading a Gartner report on Omnichannel and they just, they ran the matrix of all the combinations and it was, it was delightfully overwhelming. I'm sure. (laughs) Like if you think about, you know, in-store pickup, order online, order in-store, have mailed you, like all the different ways you could do it. But um, anyways, so there's a lot of interesting innovation to do in that area. And I, and I think even the terms we use to describe sustaining innovation are kind of judgy. Right. Like this mm-hmm. idea that just doing incremental or sustaining innovation is all you're doing, like certainly isn't as cool as like, you know, robots or self-driving cars. <laughs> but sure. but it does like I mean, obviously, you have to do both. And, and I think it's it's equally interesting to figure out, like, so going back to the jack in the box thing. Right. Like what are this loop that you all have? Like, how would you imp- imp- apply that internally to, like, optimize how they're running things despite our top line revenue comment earlier but you know there's it seems like there's a whole lot of other things that you could apply it to which would grow the business value that you would have i mean and there's simple things like you know here's a new type of burger you could sell or something but there probably are all sorts of other interesting applications of a loop like this and and the same benefits that you have of that it would take you six weeks or less to just try something out because all of this is fit together i don't know it gives you an interesting sort of tool to to start doing incremental innovation or sustaining innovation. And I think if if you approach it in those terms of let's run some experiments, let's see what we can learn. Um, You know, to me, that is the most compelling thing. Uh, I came into this thing relatively cold. I mean, my wife has has done fashion retail for many years, uh, studied fashion design in college, uh, at grad school, I should say. and so that that is her world, and and I grew up in the test bed of retail in Columbus, Ohio. So I'm certainly not uh, unexposed to it. But you know, with just our bare minimum of knowledge, we were still able to create something compelling. I think about experts, domain experts, or people with the business experience in in you know retail or grocery, et cetera, with that domain expertise to be able to put these things together in ways that benefit them. That that's the most compelling piece to me. Mm. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. So I'm a novice, and we came up with something cool. What could what could an expert do with it? Right. <laughs> exactly. Get 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 some uh, get some some someone who's been in the field for a long time. Well, that, yeah. well, that's great. Is, is there anything else you want to add on before we uh, before we wrap it up? I can't think of anything, Cote. I hit my main points. Had a delightful conversation with you as always. Yeah, uh, this is really fun. I, I don't know how you get to do this day in and day out, but what a cool job. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I'll, do you have any metaphors to share before we go? Oh, I'm all. It's, it's, this is this is uh, this is about 3 p.m. on Friday, 
It's like I, I have a deep well, but it's been a long week. And you're on vacation next week, correct? Oh, I'm traveling, but uh, traveling. It, okay, got my, it. Got my, it. My, got my wife will think it's a vacation when I get to go to bed in a comfy oh. hotel bed without kids. Uh, have you ever taken her on one of those trips? Almost, almost. Okay, we're, that, get, that we're getting was, there. That but, yeah. changed my wife's opinion of my business travel. Yeah. So yeah. yes, not as glamorous as it seems from the outside. Yeah. But still pretty cool. She she once went on a and and this is doesn't help the case that you're trying to build. She once went to Las Vegas with me, right, um, right, which, which is not quite the <laughs> slumming it you would be looking for. Um, True, indeed. yeah, yeah. But so, uh, if people want to follow up with you, do you, you got a you got a Twitter handle or you yeah, on CB the Twitter, radio so or got, anything? Uh, I got a at SCT my initials, uh, and be delighted to continue the conversation there. You're going to share some materials, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, you'll, you'll, you'll have to send me and, some and links a demo of stuff. all the other stuff, and uh, you certainly have the original tweet that spawned this conversation. Yeah, so yeah, you're you're, you're like me. This you must song. have gotten into uh, into Twitter early to get a three letter thing. That's, that's yeah. I, I mean, I think I was in it even earlier, and then I quit because I was like, "Who's ever going to tweet? This is weird." Yeah. And then I came back shortly thereafter, but still, it was available. Yeah, so. yeah. It, you know, it, it happened to line up with my work when I was at Red Monk, so I kept using it. But there uh, was this point where I was like, "All right, I don't need to be getting every time that Chris Messina thinks of something. I don't need to get a text <laughs> message about it." <laughs> <laughs> which was way, way way back in the what was it four oh four oh four days like, i remember yeah the farewell uh, yeah that, yep. those are good times but uh Absolutely. yeah well well uh well great for well uh thanks for being on and uh with that this has been another episode of pivotal conversations if you want to get the most recent episodes of it and kind of browse our back catalog we've got a uh to recommend some episodes we've got a now a good collection of what i call uh i don't know pivotal irl like people like all state that we've spoken with and other people who actually are the end customers, not just uh, not just theorizers like ourselves here, <laughs> applied theorists. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, there's various collections there that you can go get. But if you go to soundcloud.com slash Pivotal Conversations, you can find those episodes and the RSS feed to subscribe to. And more or less every Thursday, uh, I go and post an episode, um, formally the show notes over at pivotal.io slash blog. And I've been putting transcripts up there as well, if you're interested in that. And uh, also, we've got a couple of other podcasts you should check out. We have one called That Moment, which uh, goes over people um, kind of in, in, in a more, uh, in, in a different style than we've been talking about here, kind of discovering when they should do something different and kind of walking through how they've been doing that. And then, of course, there's the Pivotal Insights podcast, which sometimes, for a while, uh, nominally covers sort of the data science and things like that. But they also cross over into just general-to-purpose things, like the most recent one, which I mentioned here before that I like, talks with them. Um, one of the people who heads up our application uh, transformation and modernization replatforming service. And there's a really good, in the same way that we've tried to explain a bunch of visuals here, there's a good explanation of how uh, you methodically go through the portfolio and decide what to uh, replatform. So with that, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye.